God can't bless who you pretend to be or who you compare yourself to. He can only bless you and the lane that was created for you. I feel that for somebody. You don't need no edge entity. You need boundaries. What? I don't need your likes. I don't need your validation. All I need is a God fighting for me that says all things, all things, all things. Hi, guys. Is Jamie Curtin Lima like your best friend in your head or what? Can we just take a minute and honor the gift of Jamie Kern Lima. That story, you gotta pay attention when God exposes you to people's stories because God's trying to expose you to what's possible for you. So if you thank God that you were exposed to her testimony, can we take a minute and really honor the gift of God that is Jamie Kern Lima? I don't know, I am a part of Mind Your Business Ministries. Um, Glory, hallelujah, we're international, and hey child. And um, I just want you guys to know, Jamie shared it on her Instagram, but she's been going through a really tough season. And she stood here and she stood tall and she poured and she shared, even though her heart was going through. And I just want you to know that you inspired me tonight. Can you help me thank God for Victoria Osteen, please? They don't make them any finer, more classier, more powerful and anointed than you. Thank you so much for granting me this opportunity. She asked me if I would do this two years ago and I said yes before she could even hit send on the text message because when Victoria Osteen asks you to do something, you show up. Thank you for this opportunity to serve. Mama Dodie is here. It's like a whole thing. I'm so blessed, my friend Lisa. Okay. I want to do something before you sit down. I know you're tired. You've been at work and you want to sit down, but can we do something real quick? I want you to turn to the woman beside you. Hey, girl, how you doing? I want you to, ciao, what's up? All right, listen, we're going to be very classy because we're at Lakewood. I don't want any cutting up in here. Be very dignified. I want you to turn to the woman beside you and I want you to give her some love. Tell her your hair looks good. Your eyebrows are done. You don't look stressed at all. You look like you're in control of what's happening in your world. You look anointed and powerful like Jesus is your best friend and no one gets on your nerves. You look strong. You look mighty. You look powerful. You look like devils tremble when you wake up in the morning. You look like you've been through hell and came out on the other side. You look like there's glory connected to your life. You look like there's grace connected to everything you've gone through. You look like the enemy meant some things for evil, but God turned it around for good. You look like a testimony. You look like a miracle. Okay. Now I want you to do me a favor. Turn to the woman again. I'm going to tell you, you already told her she looks good. So now you can follow instructions. I want you to take a minute. I want you to just make eye contact with the woman. Don't say a word. You already told her she looks good. You already asked her where she got her purse from. I set you up. I set you up. I want you to take a minute. I want you to look at her. And if we can, I want you to look at her in complete silence. I want you to give this woman something she very rarely receives, and that is an opportunity to be seen. The woman you're staring at has dreams inside of her. Some women are nursing heartbreak. Some women in this room are more lonely than they've ever been. And yet tonight, God has made you her partner. God's made you her sister. And whatever happens tonight, it happens with you. I want you to tell that woman, I see you. I love you. I believe in you. You got this. You got this. Don't give up. You're the woman for the job. Tell that woman, girl, get up. All right.
Let's go. Husband, my husband's here. Babe, can you do me a favor? Can you let me use your hotspot while my, my phone, my notes aren't coming up? Wow, that's embarrassing. I want it to be professional here. Ruth 3. I know my scripture. We'll start with that at Ruth 3. I'm going to start in verse, I love you too. I promise you I do. Ruth 3, verse 14. I want to talk, okay, y'all stop now. Come on, man. You can't take you nowhere, Jesus. I'm trying to get invited back, so y'all got to come with me, so you got to act right. Okay, before we dive into the text, I want to give you a little background. I know many of you have heard the story of Ruth, but I never want to take for granted the opportunity that some people don't know every part of the Bible. So I'm going to give you, uh, you got it? Thank you, baby. Oh, you and smart. Look what God did with you. Look what God did with you. He was not playing any games. Okay. All right. Ruth, a Moabite woman. She marries a man. The man dies. And she finds herself walking out life with her mother-in-law, Naomi. She is a miracle within itself. <laughs> you got a mother-in-law like mine, this would be easy. Some of us, anywho, stay focused. <laughs> Some of, she's here tonight, we can't even talk about it. <laughs> um, Ruth makes the decision she's gonna walk this thing called life out with Naomi. She has left her country, she has left the gods that she served, she has taken on the God of Israel, the God that we now serve, and she has decided that her next move, her best way forward, is to stay connected with Naomi. We've got two widows trying to figure out what to do next. And when we find them in this text in Ruth 3, I'm gonna start in verse 12. Naomi's trying to set her up with Boaz. Boaz is the next kin member who has the ability to marry her and ultimately offer her another chance at life. He is the kinsman redeemer. So when we find her in the text, Naomi has told her to go outside and be fast a little bit. We would call this being fast. But in Hebrew culture, this was appropriate. We would maybe tell her she was out here cutting up, but Naomi gives her a pass. And my text begins after she has stayed the night and she has made herself available, giving him the signal that she is open and prepared for marriage. And my text begins in verse 14. It says, so she lay at his feet until morning. And she arose before one could recognize another. Then he, it is Boaz, then he said, do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. In other words, make this discreet. Also, he said, bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, is that you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, these six ephahs of barley he gave me, for he said to me, do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Spirit of the living God, we welcome you in this place. Surely you have gathered us here in a space of love, in a space of peace and righteousness, of inspiration, to remind us that you know us, that you see us, that you hold us close to your heart. God, I thank you for every woman, every past, every future, every present represented in this room. God, I thank you that we have the privilege and the honor to be connected with Jesus. 
And so my prayer is that tonight would be a divine encounter with you and you alone. That you would make this big room feel like a prayer closet between you and her. And as you sit in this room, God, I thank you for great glory. I thank you for peace. I thank you for restoration. I thank you for clarity and vision. Just do that thing that you do when you step into a room. No nerves, no fear, no anxiety, just your voice, your strength standing on the inside of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, now you can sit down. I know your feet hurt. Amen. Three words that started one of the most difficult seasons of my life. Didn't really make any sense. I thought that these three words would inspire me into change and transformation, but these words were the words that revealed to me just how inadequate I was. It was two years before the pandemic, and I'd come to a stage in my life where I really wanted to start taking better care of myself. I was in the grocery store minding other people's business. <laughs> that's what you go to the grocery store for. And I heard the words, I love orange theory confused me. This woman says, I love orange theory. So I make this decision to go and try orange theory. Mm. <laughs> this is when I learned that not everyone has the same definition of love. <laughs> because there is nothing to really like love about orange theory, unless you're her, I guess. I was there and I just wanted to be one of those people who love Orange Theory. So some of you may not even know what Orange Theory is. Orange Theory is orange on the inside, similar to the place where Beelzebub resides. And they have like 12 treadmills, 12 row machines and weights. And they want you to spend 55 minutes in Orange Theory so you live right and don't want to go to hell. There's something about the Orange Theory and salvation that has a connection. And every day I went in there and I was hoping to myself, this is going to be the day that I love Orange Theory. And every day I left and I thought to myself, this is not the day that I love Orange Theory. So we're into the pandemic, they shut it down. I'm like, oh God, if it be your will, who am I? to stand in the way of what the Lord is doing. Um, they shut it down. I'm halfway through a pan of homemade rolls that I've made and I'm like, who needs Orange Theory? And then I got on the scale and it was like, you girl, you need it. It's you, you're the one who needs Orange Theory. And I realized that people don't love Orange Theory necessarily because they love Orange Theory. They love Orange Theory because they know no matter what happens in that room, it's gonna make them better. Like it may not be something I wanna do, it may hurt in the middle of the process, but I know for sure that it's gonna make me better when I go into that space. And as I was praying about us learning to love our lives, I could not help but consider how many of us sit and wait for a life to love. I'm waiting to fall in love with life. Love is in the air and I'm playing matchmaker this year. Sis, I believe that you and the homie Brooklinen are made for each other. Like y'all should go together real bad. Who's Brooklinen, you ask? Girl, home of the internet's favorite sheets. You can feel all the love this season with their line of bed and bath essentials that fill your home with life's little luxuries. I checked out their Valentine's Day gift guide. Some cute items that caught my eye were a candle and diffuser set, a super plush robe and a mulberry silk eye mask. This luxurious home essentials line is what your space has been waiting for. For Valentine's or Galentine's Day, you can give your bathroom a spa at home feel with luxury upgrades of ultra soft robes and towels. Treat yourself. Don't cheat yourself, sis. Create a space that you and everyone else will have a crush on with Brooklinen. Visit brooklinen.com to get $20 off plus free shipping on orders of $100 dollars or more with code evolve that's b-r-o-o-k-l-i-n-e-n.com for twenty dollars off plus free shipping on orders of one hundred dollars plus with code evolve my daughter's six 
She wants to be 13. <laughs> My daughter's 13. She wants to be 20. When she turns 20, she's going to realize like, bills are going to make you want to be 13. I wake up every day and I'm like, Lord, I was rushing to have bills every month. They come every month. You again here with me. I think part of the reason why we find it so difficult to love our lives is that we're just waiting for the hard part to be over. It's like if I can finally get these kids to think straight, if I can finally get the money to go from paycheck to paycheck to actually being able to save, maybe, just maybe, I'll be able to love my life. I'm single, maybe when I get married, I'll love my life. I'm married, maybe when he goes to work, I can love my life for eight hours. We're looking and waiting for these moments when we will finally love our lives. And so when I was studying about this message and I was asking God, how do we come to a place where we begin to love our lives? God began to show me that it's not so much about us learning to love our lives as much as it is having the mindset, much like we have to have a mindset for things like Orange Theory, that it's not about what's going to happen. It's trusting that whatever happens, it's meant to make me better. That means that even though I may not want to face it, even though it may hurt me in the process my trust is not in life my trust is in God and if God allows for something to show up in my life it must be here to be a teacher to me it must be here to refine me it must be meaning to teach me something I think Paul would say something like this for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us there are women in this room who are not just in this room because life went the way that they wanted it to there are women in this room who became who they are because the suffering taught them something. The suffering taught me to have boundaries. The suffering taught me to be humble. The suffering taught me that if I don't speak up, I'll be ran over. I didn't learn to do this because it was easy. I learned some things because the suffering taught me. The suffering taught me, be careful who you talk about. The suffering taught me, be careful who you let in your life. The suffering taught me that I have an inclination to allow things that are in me to mess up the destiny that God has for me. I didn't just learn this because someone said it. The suffering came and it taught me something. Are there some women in this room who have been taught by suffering? Some people went to school. Other people learned from the suffering. My heart had to break, but I learned a lesson. I got a little sore, but I learned a lesson. The suffering taught me more than the blessings did. We don't like to talk about those things. But there are some lessons that only suffering can teach you. I take better care of the people who are in my life because the grief taught me they're not here forever. I take better care of myself because the heartbreak told me I'll pour and pour and pour until I'm in the hospital. The suffering taught me that there are words that are more powerful than any physical abuse you can ever experience. So I'm careful with my mouth now because someone made me suffer from the words that were on the other side. You want to break a generational curse? It's going to happen because some suffering took place and you decided this suffering cannot pass on to another generation. This suffering cannot live on in my community. I gotta break something so the suffering, God, I'm glad that I suffered so that now no one else has to suffer again. See, you gotta be a bold girl to say some things like that. But there comes a point where you decide that these scars can work against me or they can work for me. And I have decided that my scars are seed. I'm gonna put them in the ground. I'm gonna allow the word of God to walk them and I'm gonna allow my children to eat from the fruit of the scars that should have took me out of here baby the scars taught me it wasn't the degree it wasn't the relationships I'm not anointed because of who my father is I'm not anointed because of what I went through I'm anointed because the suffering made a demand on what God placed on the inside of me I don't know who you are but you're going through a suffering season and I just want you to know from a few of us that there is power on the other side of suffering that there is breakthrough on the other side of suffering that there's vision on the other side side of suffering. I know your heart is broken, baby girl, but let someone's life be a testimony. Suffering is not the end. 
If you let it, suffering will be the beginning. Suffering can be the beginning. This pain in your chest, this disappointment, this fear, this anxiety, this suffering, it's not the end of you. It is the beginning. And you're going to learn to love your life, not because everything went well, but because God turned it for good. So I love the one who orchestrated my life. I love the one who planned it. I love the one who understood what was going to happen. So when I'm standing in the moment, I have to love the God who allowed the life. Because sometimes if we're honest, it's hard to love your life. It's difficult to live in such a way that you experience setback and disappointment and no after no after no. And everyone on the outside looking in feels like, how could you not love your life? You got this, you got that. And you're telling yourself someone else has it way worse, so you just got to be grateful you ought to swallow it. But if we're honest, sometimes it's hard. I really wanted to come in here and I wanted to sell you on how easy it is to love your life. But I'm too real with you to let you feel isolated in those moments where it's hard to not love your life. There were some moments when I would pull up to Orange Theory. This is a true story, but I feel like I'm in a safe place. And I would say not today. I mean, I'm dressed up, I've dropped the kids off, I'm sitting outside, I'm clocked in, but mm-mm. Because I need to know what's gonna happen when I go, I don't, today I'm not in the mood for a surprise. This is not, I'd find myself on Twitter trying to Google what is the workout today. If I'm gonna be on the row machine for 12 minutes, I'm going to the donut shop, which I really need deliverance. Because it's not enough to not work out. Now you got to go eat donuts and not work out, which don't have nothing to do with my sermon. I just wanted, it's a holy place and I just felt like I should confess <laughs> that there are moments where I don't care that it's gonna make me better. I just can't pick myself up or convince myself to walk into a circumstance without knowing what's gonna happen. I can't afford to not know. I can't afford to live vulnerably. I can't afford to open up. I can't afford to take a chance because I cannot afford to walk away with another heartbreak. I cannot afford to walk away with another pull, another stretch, another tear. There are some moments in our life where we just cannot afford to not know. It's hard to love a life that you don't trust anymore. When I don't trust life anymore, it's difficult for me to show up and I cannot help but imagine that when we find Ruth in the text, that she's trying to pick up the pieces from a life that is difficult to love. She left her religion. She found someone who she could be in it with. Now that person is gone. The person who made it worth leaving her culture, leaving her society, changing the way that she showed up. Now that person is gone and she's trying to rebuild and redefine her life. And it is very difficult to rebuild, redefine, and love your life in the middle of it. Maybe that's why some of us are struggling. Because if you're like me, you found yourself in a season where you recognize that this chapter of my life is called the rebuilding. This chapter of my life is called the redefining. And because I don't know what it is becoming, it's difficult for me to love it because I'm afraid of what I'm gonna lose in the process. I don't know who I'm gonna be on the other side of this. I don't know if I'm still gonna have the same joy. I don't know if I'm gonna survive with the same openness. I don't know if I'll still have the same creativity, but I'm allowing myself to go through the redefining anyway because obedience is better than sacrifice or maybe obedience 
this is sacrifice because I have to give up my comfort zone in order to be obedient. And sometimes in church, we make obedience seem like you can do it with confidence. But the truth is, sometimes obedience is sacrifice. Because in order to be obedient, I have to be willing to let go of my idea of what my life should look like. I have to let go of my idea of who my friends should be. I have to let go of my timeline. In order to be obedient, I have to look past my insecurities. I have to look past my anxiety because I have to decide that it is better to be in the will of God than to be in the will of my fear, the will of my shame, the will of my struggles. And so I am obedient even though I am uncomfortable. Your girl is getting her fight back, both spiritually and physically. Before dropping my youngest daughters off at school, I trained with a boxing coach. Now, I'm not saying I float like a butterfly and sting like a bee, but I do have a mean uppercut. What motivates me the most to stay fit is having more energy to keep up with my girls. So while I'm not obsessed with the number on the scale, I am in need of functional strength and endurance. Whatever your reason is for wanting to make a life style change, Noom Weight is ready to help. Did I mention the app is user-friendly? My favorite features are being able to log my food choices and track my boxing routines. Of course, there's a science to it all. Active first-time Noomers lose an average weight of 15 pounds in 16 weeks, and 95% of customers say Noom Weight is a good long-term solution. Sis, you may want to give it a try. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom Weight psychology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com slash evolve. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash evolve to sign up for your trial today. And check out Noom's first ever book, The Noom Mindset, a deep dive into the psychology of behavior change, available to buy now wherever books are sold. Ruth is at a moment where her obedience is on the line. And she's rebuilding and redefining this life of hers. And I love so much that when she's in this season of rebuilding and redefining that God doesn't leave her on her own. Because there are some moments where it is impossible to love the life that is being rebuilt. And so God allows you the opportunity to love the people who are doing the building with you. If I could just take a minute and thank God for the people who God has assigned to be in the rebuilding process with me. God, you could have left me out here by myself. God, you could have made me feel like I was going to be isolated. Some people would be afraid to be in a room with this many people, but I get excited because it lets me know I am not the only one in a rebuilding process. I am not the only one depending on God. I am not the only one standing in a place of faith. God, I thank you that you didn't let me face it on my own. God, I thank you that you made sure that I had at least one person who I could pick up the phone and call. God, I thank you that you sent a message on Instagram in the middle of the night with tears streaming down my eyes. You wanted to make sure I wasn't alone. You're here in this room and you are feeling alone. I want you to understand that is a trick of the enemy trying to make you feel you are alone. Because if you ever got a revelation that you are not the only woman on the battlefield, you would recognize that you got enough backup to make hell nervous. You got enough backup to actually make that generational curse break. You got enough backup in this room. I dare you to start calling on the name of Jesus. We weren't just singing a song. We were making an army galvanized to put hell on notice that there are some women in Houston, Texas who have decided that I will not be on the battlefield alone. I may not have every weapon in the book. I may not know every scripture. I may not know what to say when I walk into the room. I may not know how to raise the children. But one thing I do know is that when I call on the name of Jesus, that heaven's angels begin backing me up. One thing I do know is that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. One thing I do know is that no weapon formed against me will prosper. One thing I do know is that weeping may endure for the night, but baby, that sun gotta come up. It's been coming up for generations after generations. One thing I do know is though he slay me, yet shall I trust in him. I feel like having church on a Friday night at Lakewood. One thing I do know is that we overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony.
testimony. One thing I do know is one can chase 1,000 and two can chase 10,000 and 13,000 of us could get hell up off of our households. We could get hell up off of our families. One thing I do know is that the Lord wanted you to be in this room so you can see what happens when a warm room full of women decide to go to war with the enemy. I'm sorry I don't have time to play cute with you. I gotta get back home after this, but if I could just push you back into position, you would understand that you are not in the ring on your own. I need you to turn me up in the monitors because hell is about to get it from us tonight. I need you to turn me up in this room because we're going to make sure that the presence of the Lord meets us before we get home. I wish I had a few wailing women in this room who would not mind telling depression to loose my tongue, telling hell to loose my heart. You can have war with me when we get out of here, but for about 30 seconds, I'm going to take a minute and reach up and grab some heaven. I'm going to take a minute and allow the gift of God to be stirred up on the inside of me. I hear God saying, if you let love in, I'll let fight come out. If you let love in, I'll let strength come out. If you let love in, I'll attract who needs to be in your life. I'll subtract what doesn't need to be in your life. I'll show you how to write the book. I'll show you how to build the business. I'll show you how to save the family. You want to love your life. I hear God saying, let me love it first. Let me take care of you. I got you. I got you. We gonna be in this thing until I leave up out of this thing. And when I leave up out of this thing, we gonna pass it to our children to take the ball even further than we took it. We gonna take our mothers with us across the finish line. I'm gonna take my, so you better be careful who you sit next to. You may get pushed into the next dimension. You may be pushed into the finish line. You may start feeling like you could run up on something again. You may start prophesying. You may start speaking in tongues. You may mess around and start having joy even when your life is falling apart because you messed around and got in the right room beside the right woman who made a decision. I'm going to love my life until it overflows in your life. How could you love that life after all you've been through? I love this life because I'm still here. And if I'm still here, God still got something for me to do. God's still working this thing on out. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I love it that he's working. I don't know where he's going to do it, but I know he's on the way. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we get in position. We get together because when we get together, we're stronger than we are apart. Touch that woman beside you say, you got this. You got this. I believe in you. I'm trusting you. You got this. God's with you. Touch that woman and say, bless her heart. Bless her journey. Bless her past. Bless her future. Bless every dream. Oh God, what is this? Who is that woman you're touching? What has God placed on the inside of her? Why would God assign for you to sit beside that woman lest you have something to impart against her? God, I thank you for what you're going to do in her life. God, I thank you that you're just getting started. God, I thank you for the hedge of protection around her. God, I thank you that depression has got to move out of the way. God, I thank you that anxiety has to bow in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that fear has no place in her life. God, I thank you that she is more than a conqueror. God, I thank you. Yeah, faith is coming back, faith is coming back, power is coming back. Fill her with the Holy Ghost afresh. Let her burn for you, God. Let her burn like she's never burned before, God. Let it consume her, let it fill her. God, hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah is the highest praise. I'm sorry, I feel like being a church girl and I really wanted to be sophisticated in here, but I call him Jaira because he is a provider and he doesn't just provide what I think I need. He provides what I didn't even know I needed. I didn't even know I needed to be reminded that I'm not in it on my own. I didn't even know that I needed to know that someone else can go from nothing and turn it into a billion to God. What are you exposing me to? Maybe I'm not crazy after all. God, I didn't even know that you wanted me to be in this room for breakthrough. God, I didn't even know. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you go ahead of us and you make our crooked paths straight. Thank you, Jesus that you know the end from the beginning. Thank you, Jesus, that while I'm stuck in the middle, you've already gone ahead. I'm sorry, I feel like prophesying. This ain't even in my message. But thank you, Jesus, that you already worked it out. Thank you, Jesus, that they're already talking about me in the room before I get there. Thank you, Jesus, that the child is already saved. God, I know it doesn't look like it right now, but I lay hold and I claim it by faith because I know the God that I serve. And I know that all things can work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose so here I am answering your purpose to prophesy in darkness here I am answering your purpose to speak life in a death situation here I am answering the call to speak resurrecting power over my mother resurrecting power over my body here I am telling cancer you gotta go here I am telling the prison cells to release my child here I am prophesying to the criminal justice system here I am building a business without a degree without the financing but because I'm answering the call of the Lord that is on my life here I am writing a book and healing at the same time here I am starting a ministry in the middle of a mess because I'm answering the call God I don't know why you'd want to use me but here I am answering anyway Because the good is connected to the call. And if you say no to the call, you say no to the good. So if God is calling you to forgive, baby girl, I know they raggedy, I know they don't deserve it, I know they did you dirty, but baby, you got to pick up that phone anyway. God will take care of them, but who's gonna take care of you? Can't nobody give a yes but you. Can't nobody build it but you. Okay. All right, I'm finished. We'll be kicking off the Hope Revival Tour. Whenever there's travel, the health and well-being of myself, my family, and my team are of concern. That's why I keep the ZocDoc mobile app in my back pocket. Should anyone ever need to connect with a local doctor, I can guarantee the booking process will be seamless and they'll be in good hands. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. Sis, not feeling well in your body is taxing, so searching for great care shouldn't be an additional pain. That's where ZocDoc comes in. Using their free app that millions of users rely on, you can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your schedule. The quality care you need is just a few taps away. Go to ZocDoc.com slash WomanEvolve and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash woman evolve. ZocDoc.com slash woman evolve. Y'all can stand. I'm going to pray. I'm finished. I promise. I just want to say one thing. Last night. Last night I was nervous. I couldn't explain it. 
I felt anxiety in my chest. I didn't understand it. Then I started thinking about all the reasons I should be nervous and have anxiety, and I said, the math is mathing. I'm not even gonna lie to you. <laughs> you should be nervous. You got a lot of unknowns. Got a lot of opportunities that are making a demand on a version of you that you don't fully know. You got a lot of responsibility that you aren't sure you can carry. I guess you are nervous. I guess you are anxious. I guess you are afraid to love a life that you could lose. What if I really start loving it and then it's gone, I lose it? What happens if I give my heart to this? If I dare to say, God, I do want the marriage to work. What if I stop acting like I don't care and dare to show up like it really matters to me and then I end up losing it. I guess you are nervous. And I'm gonna be honest, y'all kind of like are ear hustling off of my, hey guys, ear hustling is like minding my business in my life. Because I said, God, I need a word and Ruth 3 and 18 came to my spirit and it, it simply says, then she said, this is Naomi talking to Ruth, it says, then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. What I love about this text, I told y'all to stand up, I'm about to pray, look at you. You're just, just as raggedy as you want to be. <laughs> just as disobedient. We didn't talk about obedience being a sacrifice. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this text. Naomi tells Ruth, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest. The man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. That one scripture gave me everything I needed to love the uncertainty of my life in this moment. I don't think that there is anything that keeps us from loving our lives like uncertainty. I do a lot of studying, and I know that Boaz is a type of Christ. When we call him a kinsman redeemer, and Jesus is our ultimate redeemer. In this moment, when I hear he, I'm thinking about Jesus. So when it says, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest, the man, Jesus is not going to rest until he has concluded the matter that is up in the air for you. It may be up in the air for you. You may have done everything that you know to do. I came to give somebody permission in Houston to sit down and be still, my daughter, because Jesus is going to go ahead of you and he's not going to rest until he's made sure that every witch, every warlock, every curse, every rumor, every threat, every device of the enemy has gotten out of the way so that you can move forward. I hear God saying that there are some women in this room who have done everything they know to do and they still don't love their life. And I hear God saying that it is time for you to trust that you can sit down, trust that you did everything you could do, trust that you've said everything that you could say. Now let Jesus step in and do the rest. I hear God saying all you got to do is be. It's not the season for you to do. This is the season for you to be. And if you would just be, then Jesus Jesus could do. If you could just be, then God can do. If you do anything else, it's going to be your hands and your miracle. But if you sit down and let God do it, he's going to do what eyes haven't seen. He's going to do what ears haven't heard. He's going to do the foolish things of this world that doesn't even make sense on paper. But he's going to conclude it. God's going to finish this thing. I don't know who started it. Maybe it was you, maybe it was them, 
but you got to accept when you've done everything you can do. And when you have done everything that you can do, you got to trust that God's going to do the rest. Some of you are going to leave here and you're going to realize that I haven't done everything I can do. And that's okay too. Get back in the ring. If you're still here, there's still opportunity for you to do everything that you can do. For somebody, it might be therapy. For someone else, it may be forgiveness. For someone else, it may be repentance. For someone else, it may be connecting with someone again. You want to make sure that you've done all that you can do. And when you have, you got to trust that God's going to take care of you. I was reading. Okay, now you can play the piano. Can y'all come up here and play the piano so I can... Everything in me want to ride on that thing up and down like a child. Just next time when I come back. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. I live by faith. In the Son of God, I live by faith that this is already taken care of. Every limitation, every sin, every shame, every scar, I live by faith that this has already been taken care of by the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Friend, when you don't love your life, and I get it, Sometimes it's hard to look at our lives and love it. I know some of us like, Lord, you woke me up this morning. I love that. But sometimes it's hard to look at the disappointment, the heartbreak, the pressure, the infertility, the pain. God, it's hard to love a life that I didn't ask for. I didn't want to be anyone's widow. I didn't want to bury my child. God, this grief, how do I love this life? I want to offer you this piece of hope. I'm not asking you to love your life. I'm loving you to love the life that comes when we are in partnership with Jesus. Because for some crazy reason, Jesus says, I can take your pain, I can take your disappointment, I can take the heartbreak, I can take all the things you love and I can use them and align them and show them to you in a way that I represent them and I give you something to love again. I love this text, I love this story of Ruth because at the end of the day, she was in one of the most tragic seasons of her life. For all purposes, she had no reason to continue loving her life. She left one thing and the next thing that she went to failed. But she stayed in the tension of obedience and uncertainty. And in that tension, God says, I've got a redeemer that's going to pave a way that brings you back to a place of restoration, not just Ruth, but for you. Friend, just stay in the tension of being obedient to who you're supposed to be in God, obedient to taking care of yourself, obedient to seeing your worth and your value. Sometimes I don't believe it, but I'm going to be obedient to what God says. I don't feel fearfully and wonderfully made, but I'm going to carry myself that way because I want to be obedient to what God says. I want to embody what God says about me, even when it's hard for me to believe it myself because I'm going to do it by faith. And when I do it by faith, I know that the Redeemer is going to help me walk this thing out and he's going to cause all things to work together for my good. God, I thank you. I thank you for my sisters in this room. I thank you for the grace that's on their lives. God, I want to say a special prayer for every woman living in the pain, the fear, the anxiety, of uncertainty. Who am I now? What is my life now? Can I open up again? God, you know where you see her, you hear her. She's here. 
God, I thank you for the woman who's in the most exciting season of her life. And yet she's not sure that she's qualified to keep up. God, I pray that your spirit will begin meeting her right now. Nursing a pregnancy, recovering from an abortion. Finally ready to talk about the abuse. Finally ready to write the book. God, there are women in this room who are going to be obedient and it is going to be a sacrifice. It's going to change everything they've ever known about themselves. Somebody's going to go into rehab. Somebody's going to be different in their family. God, I thank you that you're giving this woman strength. I thank you, God, that you're filling her with your spirit. God, I thank you that whether she knew it or not, she accepted Jesus when she came into this room. She thought she was being curious, but she grabbed onto the hem of his garment. God, I thank you that you're making her hungry for more and more of your presence. God, and I thank you that when she has an encounter with your presence, that you are going to transform her as only you can do. God, I thank you that she's going to be renewed. God, I thank you for resurrection. God, I thank you for reinvention. God, I thank you that one day she's going to look in the mirror and she's going to realize that she doesn't even recognize who's on the other side but she's thankful that she doesn't recognize her because she once was lost but now she's found God I thank you that great exploits will be done in your name through her work God I thank you that generational curses will be broken as a result of her obedience God I thank you that her family will be saved her community will be changed the church will be better because she is a part of it that you're going to teach her how to reach souls God and she's going to be the light that we need in this world God I thank you that she will establish the kingdom of heaven and demons will not just tremble they will scurry and get out of her way God I thank you that the doctor's report is wrong God I thank you that she's got her head back in the game God I thank you that she realizes who her source is and that rivers of living water are going to flow from her like never before certainly you have been with us and it is clear that you care for us May this moment not be an ending of a service, but the beginning of a deeper relationship. And let it take root and bear fruit for generations to come. In Jesus' name, amen.